Hey guys, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. As per usual, you're joined by myself, Jack, and Tierra Nelson. Hey. We'll start off by going over our weeks as per usual, and I'll let Tierra begin. All right, so this actually last week has been a really good week, a great week of training, a great week of work, seen a lot of PT clients. Uh, Pretty exciting for Jack and I as well because we've been helping out two competitors who we've actually taken on board for coaching for season A, uh, which begins in around 17 to 18 weeks. So we've been helping them with their training, with their diet, and this last week we've just taken their first round of skin folds, which is really exciting. So we can continue to monitor their body composition throughout their prep. So that's pretty awesome. We've got a... Yeah, we've got a physique client named Oliver and... Another female client called Kate who might be doing... Yeah, so Kate will be doing fitness slash sports model, which will be really exciting. Yeah, and it's a good opportunity for us as well to learn other forms of posing and um, because undoubtedly we'll have to do that for other clients as well. So Yeah, it's been fun. So Jack and I can't wait to... These are our first clients, so it's really exciting finally be able to coach competitors. That's really what we want to do. So this is just the start. And yeah, so in regards to training, had a good week. On Monday, I did something a little out of the ordinary, which a few of you may have seen on Instagram. I tested myself to see how much I could lift on a hip thrust. So kind of deviated away from my plan a little bit, started with hip thrust as my first exercise, which I don't usually do. And I worked up in a pyramid-like style. So started off with around 60 kilograms um, just to warm up, went up to 100, 110, 120, 130. I got up to 150 for one rep and I got that rep. So I was really, really happy. And because I got that rep, I tried 160, or at least what I thought was 160, and went for it. And I actually only got three quarters of the rep. And I was like, you know, damn, like I was so close. It's pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. But the thing is, I went home and I watched the video and it actually wasn't 160 kilograms. It was 170 kilograms. So... Typical me, I put two 10 kilograms on each side of the bar on top of the 150 and man, just jumped up 20 kilograms. So could make that a hashtag, don't you think? Typical Tierra. Typical (laughs) Tierra. But hey, I got three quarters of the rep, so maybe that means I could get 160. But yeah, that was pretty fun testing my strength in that pyramid-like style. So that was good. And uh, yeah, this past weekend, Jack and I also went down and we visited my parents. So they own this really nice home that they've just built on a huge piece of land. They've got around 29 acres, which has a whole bunch of lakes and creeks. And we got to spend the night there with them. Lots of wallabies. Yeah, heaps of wallabies. They're super cute. We saw like joeys and mamas and... <laughs> And yeah, we had dinner with my parents and just got to chill out with them. It was really nice to be away. It was really peaceful. So yeah, that was a nice change of scenery. But yeah, I'll hand over to Jack. It was a good week. Yeah, so this was my second week back into training and everything went very well, to be honest. I'm pretty happy with how fast I'm getting back into it, especially not only from like a physique point, but also strength as well. I thought my strength would be lagging behind quite a lot but on most of my main lifts it's only like one strength increment behind so like say if i was on 35 kilos for dumbbells i'm only on 32.5 so yeah it's it's amazing how quick it comes back eh yeah and i was very flat going into my first week of training and now i've filled out with the extra food i'm eating and all the additional yeah training of course that i'm doing Mm. 
So yeah, as Tara said, we went to her parents' house, which was nice as well. And yeah, I've been working a few times at UQ. I've actually had an inquiry from a bodybuilder who wants some help with his off-season, which would also be really exciting. So yeah, so he's aiming for 2020, right? Yep, 2020 season A. And yeah, haven't spoken to him in, to him in too much depth, but it'll be good to have an off-season client and help them with their uh, nutrition and training because the off-season is just as important as the on-season. So Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people miss. You know, they think that prep just starts 12 or 16 or however many weeks out, preferably longer around 24. But, you know, the off-season is when you're really building. And if you want to get up there on stage and be competitive, you have to put in essentially the years of dedication to building that framework and building your muscle mass. And once you have got the framework in place, it's not really like overly, it's not as hard as prep because obviously in prep you're, you're hungry and your hormonal levels have been altered as well. Whereas you're really just focusing on progressively overloading the gym, making sure you're eating enough to slow weight gain and yeah, sleeping well, recovering well. So, but yeah, that was my week and oh yes, today I went and had my final appointment with the sports doctor in regards to my back. Not too much. We just had a bit of a summary of how I was going and she said, she sort of confirmed that, yeah, it's, it's okay that you go back into the gym slowly because I think she was a bit... Uh, you can be honest (laughs) yeah I think she was a bit she didn't really know what the issue was with my back and she uh, she seemed a bit surprised that it hadn't improved drastically from taking all that rest off but just gotta take just yeah just gotta put my head down and just accept it and try and work around it as best I can Mm, so I guess your plan of attack now is just to keep easing back into the gym and you know Hopefully you get more comfortable with doing those big compounds again in a, f- in a few weeks and trying to give them a go. Yeah, I'll, it'll definitely be uh, limited to how much pain I'm in. So I'll, to be honest, I'd be surprised if I would be able to do those compounds in a few weeks because it's been about six months. So, But yeah, as soon as I feel ready to do those lifts again, I'll definitely give them a shot. Hey, on the bright side, you did come home from the doctor with some sort of massage stick it kind of looks like a tommy gun <laughs> mm, yeah i bought it for you well, for me you're the only one that's been using it you've been hogging it <laughs> anyway we'll get on to our questions i also wanted to say thanks to everyone for asking a question we had some really good questions this week so we we've had quite a few so we've sort of tried to separate them into a few different topics mm. i know next week this week we won't be able to get to them but next week we'll definitely focus more on fasting and supplements as two major topics but yeah definitely we did get a lot of questions on fasting and supplements so we thought because we had so many of those they could actually be episodes in themselves because they are quite large topics to cover so definitely with feedback from you guys if you guys want to have a episode solely dedicated to supplements we'd be more than happy to thoroughly go through that yeah but yeah we'll get on to the first question for today which i think tiara is dying to answer (laughs) which is thoughts on supplementing with BCAAs. All right, so I was actually really happy when we got asked this question because I think there's a lot of unnecessary hype around branched chain amino acids in the fitness industry. And I kind of wanted to do some myth debunking today and just give you guys the real story and explain why they're not a very effective supplement. So people often claim that branched chain amino acids will help to reduce muscle loss, especially in a fasted state. So imagine if you're lifting weights fasted or you're doing fasted cardio 
and they also claim that they help with muscle recovery following exercise. So just to start off with, branched-chain amino acids are a supplement that contain three of the nine essential amino acids. So you've got leucine, valine, and isoleucine. Now, the theory behind taking them is that when we are doing exercise, we are in a state of muscle catabolism, which means that our muscles are slightly breaking down. This is in response to doing either heavy lifting in the gym or cardiovascular exercise. Now, when our muscles are breaking down and we're in a catabolic state, we are using a range of substrates as a fuel source. So this can come from glucose, fatty acids, and even amino acids. So the predominant three amino acids that are oxidized in the muscle when you're in a catabolic state just happen to be leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And the theory is that if you supplement with BCAAs, then you'll have more branched-chain amino acids in your amino acid pool. So you can instead use these as a substrate for energy and you can avoid muscle catabolism. Now, this is a fine theory, but it's not the way that human physiology actually works because when we are in a state of muscle catabolism, we're not only oxidizing these three essential amino acids, we are oxidizing all 20 amino acids. And it is completely out of our control which ones are oxidized and which ones aren't. Also, regardless of what you eat before your workout or even if you have an intra-workout shake, muscle protein breakdown is always going to be greater than muscle protein synthesis. So regardless of what you do, you're always going to be in a catabolic state just slightly when you are exercising. It's only following your workout when you have a post-workout meal, you know, with adequate protein and carbohydrates that you're going to be in, in an anabolic state and be able to rebuild that muscle mass. Another thing about branched-chain amino acids is that they only provide three of the nine essential amino acids. So even if you're supplementing with these three, you're still going to have to extract the remaining 17 from your amino acid pool. Therefore, you are actually putting yourself in an even greater state of muscle catabolism when you're supplementing BCAAs, especially if you're doing fasted exercise. And this completely counteracts the whole theory behind BCAAs protecting your muscles from breaking down because if anything, they're just enhancing that process. Another pretty interesting thing that I learned is that branched-chain amino acids, they actually all compete for the same transporter in the small intestine. So imagine a transporter as a door that opens and it will let those three amino acids through the door, but it's only open for a certain amount of time. If they're all trying to get through the door at once, only a certain amount are going to be able to get through. So you're actually not going to be able to absorbed those branched-chain amino acids when they're consumed in a bolus dose as efficiently as if you consumed a bit less in more of a mixed meal. Now you could say, okay, well, what if I only supplemented leucine? Because leucine is the main amino acid involved in stimulating mTOR and muscle protein synthesis. But the problem with this is that leucine activates the exact same metabolic pathways involved in oxidizing isoleucine and valine. 
So if you activate this pathway in the body, you're gonna have to extract even more isoleucine and valine from your muscle tissues and your other cells that have protein in order to try to build new muscle tissue. So in essence, guys, branched-chain amino acids, they are not going to assist with protecting your muscles from breaking down, and they're also not going to help you just build new muscle when they're consumed in isolation. They certainly are three important amino acids, but only when they're consumed in a meal that contains a complete protein source. So you need all nine essential amino acids in there, as well as the remaining 11, which your body can synthesize by itself, or you can also get these through food. And I just wanna say that it just baffles me that this supplement is so highly marketed in the fitness industry when there's actually been no clinical studies done so studies on humans to show that BCAAs are effective in preserving muscle mass or increasing lean muscle gains. What's actually quite funny to me is that the camp that is often promoting branched chain amino acids is usually the same camp that is talking negatively about plant-based proteins and plant foods. Because as we know, plants don't usually contain a complete amino acid profile and they usually don't stimulate muscle protein synthesis to the same extent as animal proteins. However, the funny thing is, is that plants are usually only rate limiting in one or two of the essential amino acids, compared to branched chain amino acids, which are rate limiting in six. So really these people who are promoting branched chain amino acids, they are essentially promoting incomplete protein sources. So guys, they just, the two sides just totally counteract one another. But the main point I wanna get across is that branched chain amino acids are not going to be an effective supplement for you to consume. They will not do what they claim they say that they do, and it would be a lot more beneficial for you to consume a complete protein source. This can be from meat, from fish, from eggs, from dairy. You can also consume you know, a WPI or a WPC protein powder, of course you can consume plant proteins as well, especially a mixture of different plant proteins to get a complete amino acid profile there. Essentially anything but branched chain amino acids. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but hopefully that got the message through and that answered your question. So I guess to sum it up then, you like BCAAs? Oh yeah, I love them. I, that, that's all I buy. <laughs> <laughs> So on to our second question. This one states, what do you guys eat in a day? So I'm just going to take this pretty literally and I think we're both going to spell out or just get a good indication of what we eat on a daily basis because we eat pretty similar things day to day. Yeah, and I guess this is always the burning question people ask dietitians and are always curious of, you know, what do dietitians eat? So Jack, hit the floor. What do you eat? So I guess when I when I look at my day of food, there are a few things that I would like to cover, such as getting a variety of protein sources, so not just like whey or yogurt or chicken. I just try and vary it, usually four or five different ones. And I also try and eat around four to five times a day as well. Other than that, I 
obviously try and get my serves of fruit and vegetables in, variety of grains, my, well, basically hitting all the food groups so that I'll, that'll include dairy as well. Mm, and lots of olive oil and nuts. You have a very well-rounded diet. So starting with breakfast, I eat basically the same thing every day, which has oats in it. Surprise, surprise. But it used to be like a big bowl of porridge, I guess. But now it's sort of turned into more of like a birch and muesli. It is a craft of art. <laughs> And usually birch muesli is in cold, but I actually heat this up. And it might sound a bit weird because it has yogurt in it, but it's actually really good. So mm. so what's in it? So it has oats, grated apple, cinnamon, uh, ground flax meal, chia seeds, milk, and chobani yogurt. Ooh, and blueberries? And blueberries, yeah, yes. Yeah, blueberries. And yeah, I just add a bit of water to that, let it sit in the fridge overnight, and then the good thing is you can just wake up in the morning and it's ready to eat, so yeah mm. all right and i guess what your next meal would be lunch yep so that would be and these days i'm training in the morning which i've come to like a lot so lunch is usually my post-workout meal so it's usually quite a carb heavy one well all my meals except for one are pretty carb heavy because i eat a lot of carbs but this one is at the moment it's been brown pasta with peas corn chicken some passata which is just pureed tomatoes and some cheese Mm. And if I don't have that, I'll usually have potatoes with something else as well. Like, again, peas, corn, like a more of like a chili mix with chicken instead of beef. And then your next meal? So that would be afternoon tea, which is usually pretty much the same most of the time, which is just a protein cake. And that just has really easy, just wholemeal, self-raising flour, protein powder, milk. If I have any fats left over, I add peanut butter. And I just lately I've just been putting that in the microwave until it's still a bit gooey on the inside instead of cooking it all the way through like yeah, Tierra does. There's like this golden nugget of peanut butter in the middle. It's pretty amazing. And then for dinner, I just this is probably my lowest calorie meal, but it's it's if I don't have much vegetables throughout the day, I this is sort of like a backup and it's just like a big salad. I usually add some sort of beans to that like kidney beans and usually either chicken or beef mince as well. And then just herb spices and balsamic vinegar. So yeah, my macros at the moment are 450 carb, 80 fat and pretty high protein at 275 grams. And yeah, they had, my macros actually used to be much, much higher right after prep, which is surprising. They used to be all the way up at like 600 carb. So they've come down quite a bit just due to inactivity and stuff like that. So yeah, probably contributed to not doing those big compound lifts, right? I think yeah. they burn a lot of energy. I've noticed that as well. When On days that I do big compounds, usually my weight just fluctuates really pretty crazy. All right, so yeah, full day of eating. I'm pretty similar to Jack. I eat from all food groups. I don't exclude anything. I love fruits and vegetables. I you love whole grains. Oh, yeah, I, I can't eat onions. They just, um, they don't agree with me. I don't like onions. <laughs> But yeah, I don't exclude any food groups, but I definitely eat a lot of whole foods. They just make me feel really good, give me long-lasting, sustained energy. So for breakfast, I generally always have the same breakfast. I make a big bowl of oats, similar to Jack. I have oats, around 100 grams there. I've got cocoa powder in there, chia seeds, and some flax meal, and I just cook those in the microwave with water. And then I also make myself an egg white omelet. So I use egg whites from VPA and I just blend those with water and put them in a hot pan. And then I cover that with around 
15 grams of cheese. I'm, I love cheese, so I have a whole bunch of different blocks in my fridge and I change the flavors. What's your favorite, Tiara? Mmm, I really like brie. Brie is really good the way it melts. But I love Swiss as well and like a really sharp cheddar. Oh, and blue cheese too. I, I like all types of cheese. <laughs> and so I have that egg white omelet with cheese and a bunch of spices. And then I also have a piece of fruit or two. So I love mixing that up as well. Generally whatever in season. I love plums, apricots. I love oranges, apples, generally any fruit. And then usually post-workout, I will either have a protein cake. So that's pretty similar to Jack's. It's just 100 grams of flour, a scoop of protein powder, some cocoa powder, and a banana. And I blend all that together with some water, cook it in the microwave, and it just rises into this amazing high carb and protein cake. It's just sensational. <laughs> um, or I might have another big bowl of oats after my workout with, that's just usually oats, cocoa, and cinnamon cooked with water. Usually I have another 100 grams there. And a nice cream, so I make nice cream in my food processor. So I'll blend a scoop of protein powder, some ice, a little bit of water or milk, and then I'll also add frozen fruit. So best fruits for nice cream are pineapple, frozen banana, frozen mango, berries are really good, although with my budget I don't usually have the luxury of buying berries, but that's okay. And then lunchtime, Lunches are pretty similar for me right now. If anyone follows me on Instagram, they've probably seen a lot of photos of this, but I usually make myself two pizzas, I like to call them. It's really just two large um, wholemeal Lebanese breads that I bake in the oven, and I put Italian passata on that and a bunch of spices, so Italian herbs and pepper and paprika are really good, and I'll put some sliced chicken breast on there. And then I usually have that again uh, with a big side salad. So salad with any vegetable, just plenty of mixed vegetables in there with balsamic, with some olive oil and lots of spices. Jack and I are just huge on herbs and spices for flavoring our food, so good. And then dinner, dinner um, for me, it really depends like if I'm at work or not or if I can eat a meal at home. But generally for dinner, I always go for some sort of vegetable source, some sort of protein source, and some sort of carbohydrate source. So my vegetables- So basically anything? Basically anything. Well, kind of. <laughs> Within the foods that I buy. But yeah, maybe vegetables might be even some frozen vegetables. So I love green beans. I love broccoli, Brussels sprouts, lots of carrots. And then I'll cover that with a bunch of spices and olive oil. Carbohydrates can really be anything, so maybe some baked pumpkin. I love actually eating oats for dinner, so I quite often have cocoa oats for dinner. <laughs> I love rice and adding turmeric to that. I love couscous, really any carbohydrate source. And then a protein source, I might have um, some sardines if I haven't had a can of fish that day because I don't supplement with omega-3. I, I really like getting it from food. So I usually try to aim for a can of fish every day or two. So I might have some sardines there, or some kippers, or maybe some red meat, or I might have some chicken or some eggs. Really depends. But yeah, I guess those are our diets in detail. We just aim for very wholesome, high volume foods that make us feel good. And yeah, but we don't exclude anything. We just eat good food that makes us feel good. All right, so next question. 
So that is, what are your guys' training splits? All right, I'll let you start. What's your training split? So I've been on this split ever since I finished prep. Obviously, I've had to modify it a little bit. Well, myself and my coach, Alan, have had to modify it a bit just because I've been restricted from some exercises. But basically, it's uh, Monday, Tuesday, rest Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rest Sunday, and repeat that. So Monday is upper body. And that'll be basically a two exercises for, so two push, two pull, sorry, three push, three pull, and two arms. So at the moment, that'll be, so for example, a heavier push and pull to start off with, such as an inclined dumbbell bench and pull-ups. And then I'll move on to a secondary exercise and then a tertiary one. So getting more isolated as it goes on. So the second one might be something like a seated row. The third one might be like a, a face pull or something like that so getting like higher reps as they go up as they go through as well yeah what would you say their sets and reps scheme is generally well it changes week to week because that's periodization but usually it's around three sets of six to eight reps for the first exercise 10 to 12 for the next exercise and 12 to 15 for the one after that mm, so a good rep range there yeah and then for arms i usually stick to around 10 to 12 reps and That'll be just a bicep and a tricep exercise. So the next day is legs. And I guess this is pretty unique for me just because of my injury, but I tend to do a form of leg extension and leg curl to start off with just to pre-fatigue as much as possible. So that on one day, that's uh, blood flow restriction training. And then on the next one, it's um, German volume training, which is 10 sets of 10 reps with around a minute to a minute and a half rest between each set. Killer. So, yeah. You get a good, great pump from both of them. But then after that, moving on to, this is for both leg days. It will be single leg hip thrust, which I do just because double leg hip thrust is a bit too much uh, pressure on my back. Yeah, you'd probably really have to load up the bar, eh? Yeah, and because, yeah, I was doing around 160 for hip thrust before, and I think that, like, in order to overload, it's just too much. Like, I would rather just do overload on a single leg. And after that, I've lately been doing single leg squats, which are actually really hard. And I do that with like a Pilates wall behind me and just going down the wall slowly and then squatting back up. So do you do those body weight or do you hold any like a kettlebell or something? No, I just do the body weight at the moment. Yeah, they're hard enough as it is. But I'll probably move those to a single leg leg press um, if I feel like my back is up to it. And after that, I do this new exercise, which I learned from AJ Morris, which is where you put a dumbbell in between your feet and you lie on your stomach and then you sort of do a leg curl like that. You kind of need a partner for that one, don't yeah, you? Yeah, unless you're very <laughs> flexible or something. But <laughs> So yeah, I'm usually there putting dumbbells between Jack's feet, making sure that they don't fall out. <laughs> and after that, I do a, a just the adductor machine. And I've actually noticed a massive difference in my adductors. So if any guys who want to get thicker legs or just doing bodybuilding like if don't neglect your doctors because i noticed that especially like the the part of your legs around the hips like they just working at doctors like that's just a muscle another muscle group you can get bigger and just does make your legs a lot thicker especially in the hip region yeah for sure so do you just do adductions or do you do adductions and abductions well, I can't do adductions at the moment because my adductors are playing up in rela in association with my back. But I do some, I'm doing some rehab for that. So I do work my adductors. But as soon as they feel better, I'll start doing adduction as well. Sorry, abductions. 
So yeah, I the way I think of it is if you're adducting, you're adding to your body. So you're going in, whereas abducting is going out. So yeah, if you work your adductors more, it really helps your waist look a lot smaller as well because your hips and your the up, upper portion of your thigh will be a lot bigger. So anything, I guess that's the whole sport of bodybuilding is to try and make your waist as small as possible and like get the true X frame, which is wide shoulders, um, big legs and a small waist. So yeah. And oh yeah, still got, wow, still got two more days, but Man, so, <laughs> so much. <laughs> so the leg days will be on Tuesday and Friday and then Thursday and Saturday will be upper days. So I'll do, just do this a bit more quickly. So Thursday will be another upper day, which will be similar to Monday. Again, just starting off with a com like a more compound than going down into a semi isolation than a full isolation and then two arm exercises. And then on Saturday will be more of a weak point day. So for me, that's definitely my back. And at the moment it's just back shoulders and arms. So yeah, I just, do a fair bit of volume for those and yeah, just get more volume in for the week. Cause that's one of the best ways of working on a weak point is just increasing the frequency of that muscle group. But yeah. And I, I also do abs at the end of each session just to sort of like a routine now. And I also train calves on a leg day. So each leg day and also on the weak point day. And yeah, I've also started training my tibialis anterior, which is the, um, the muscle on the front of your calf. So it's a bit of a funky muscle group to train. So how do you do that? So I, I, I sit on a leg extension and I put a, I make sure my feet are off the ground and I put like a weight in between my feet. And then I sort of move my toes up towards my knee. So like it, yeah, just Google image the tibialis anterior and you'll probably get what I mean. Nice, okay. So, uh, man, that was full on. <laughs> But I guess, you know, it will be detailed if you ask any bodybuilder what his split is. So I, unlike Jack, I do a four-day split and I kind of cycle through that. So I have two leg days. So one will be quads and glute predominant and the other one will be hamstring and glute predominant. So on my quad and glute day, I will start off with low bar squats. I usually stick to a weight and I try to get three by eight of this and then I try to move up to three by 10, and then I try to get four by 10, all with the same weight. Once I'm comfortable with four by 10, then I increase the weight by 2.5 kilograms, and then I try to get three by eight with that new weight again. So that's kind of how I'm manipulating the sets and reps and the volume there, and just to make sure that I'm constantly progressively overloading each session, because squats are something I've really been working on for the last six or seven months now. So after squats, I will go into barbell hip thrusts. I usually do around, I do quite high volume for those. So I usually do around five sets of 10 to 12. And after that, I go on to incline leg press, which is another movement I've been progressing on for a while now and starting to feel a lot more strong in it. I used to not really feel leg press in my quads, but I've really been working on that mind muscle connection now and certainly focusing on, you know, trying to recruit those quads and it's certainly working now and it feels great and I'm getting really strong. And those are really my three main lifts on glute and quad day. After that, I might do some abductions and a few abs and maybe some calves. But honestly, after squats and leg press, my quads are just shot. So I actually don't do leg extension on that day. So that's my first day. The next day after that, it will be a 
push day, so shoulders, chest, and triceps. So I usually start off with barbell overhead press. I aim for four sets of anywhere between eight to 12 there, depending on what the weight I'm using at the time. After that, I go into close grip bench press because I've noticed lately that my strength has kind of been plateauing for my shoulders, and I think it's because I'm not doing enough volume for my triceps. So I'm really trying to work on my triceps right now, adding a bit more volume, especially with the close grip bench to build some more strength so that I can keep improving in my overhead pressing movements. So I do close grip bench. After that, I do some dumbbell shoulder press, uh, again, a rep range of around four sets, um, eight to 12 reps. After that, I do some assisted dips. Then I do lateral raises. Uh, as these go on, so assisted dips and lateral raises are going more up towards the 12 to 15 rep range. And then after lateral raises, my final exercise is battle ropes because I just love battle ropes so much. I think they're so much fun. And the way that I manipulate those is via the sets and the number of slams per se that I do. So for example, I might start off, well, this has been a while ago now, but I might've started off with, you know, three sets of 20 slams, but now I'm all the way up to like four sets of 60 slams, you know? So just manipulate- What constitutes a slam? A slam. So two hands on the rope slamming down. <laughs> so I do, I do two hands at once. So after that day, then the next day will be a hamstring and glute predominant day. So I start off with lying leg curls. That really helps to warm up my hamstrings. That's a little technique that I actually learned from Mountain Dog, which is pretty awesome. One of his podcasts he did with, with Jeff Nippard. So recommending that you do an exercise such as... Hamstring curls. Such as hamstring curls, thank you, before you move on to your big compound lifts. So I do lying hamstring curls, around three sets of 10 there. Then I move on to barbell hip thrusts. I'll do another five sets of you know 10 to 12. After barbell hip thrusts, I now move on to RDLs. So I used to do Romanian deadlifts with the barbell. I was progressing with that all of last year, got up to a pretty good weight. I was doing 77.5 for 12 reps and four sets. But now I've recently transitioned into using dumbbells which is just awesome because I feel a much better stretch on my hamstrings. And also I'm able to get a much better range of motion as well because the dumbbells aren't as large as plates. So I'm able to actually stretch down a lot further. Plus I find that it takes a lot of the load off my lower back. I was finding as RDLs kept getting heavier, I was feeling it a lot more in my lower back and my lats and less in my hamstrings. But now transitioning to dumbbells, it just, I feel great. I'm getting really good mind-muscle connection and recruitment from those hamstrings. So for those, I usually do four sets of up to 15 because I'm using slightly lighter weights. I'm using around 30 kilogram dumbbells there. So after RDLs, then I move on to a back extension, a weighted back extension, and I do four so sets. the back extension is hamstring focused yeah so back straight back ascensions are hamstring focused though sometimes they're back focused depends how you focus them oh yeah yeah they're they're a unique exercise you can use your lower back you can use your glutes hamstrings i really try to get a really good stretch and um recruit my hamstrings for that one and then after that i will do uh some leg extension so to make up for not doing leg extension on my quad and glute day i do three sets of 12 heavy on leg extension, and then I do one drop set, which 
man drop sets on leg extensions just kill <laughs> so yeah that's my hamstring and glute day and then the next day would be a back day um, back and bicep so I start on seal row I do around four sets of 10 there and then after seal row I'll move on to lat pull down doing more four sets of 12 to 15 after lat pull down I go on to a single arm dumbbell row do around three to four sets of 10 on each arm there. After that, I do a exercise I like to call a bicep curl plus shoulder press. It's essentially just putting the two exercises- Arnold press. Well, no, Arnold press, you kind of like do this funky thing where you twist your wrists. Mm. I don't know, I don't, I, it's kind of different to an Arnold press. You start with the t- two hands down by your side, hands facing forward like wrists facing forward with dumbbells in each hand, you do a full bicep curl, then you twist at your shoulders, and then you just push up into a normal shoulder press, and then you do the exact same thing, but in reverse on the way down. So it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone. I but just, how do you overload your shoulders if you're, aren't you limited to your bicep strength? Can't you, can't you shoulder press more than you can curl? I can, but my shoulders are already pretty fatigued from already doing those back movements. So it's kind of just to add a bit more volume to my shoulders. Um, but it's, it's actually not too bad because my biceps are pretty strong. So bicep mm, strength. I've noticed. <laughs> Gary Slater noticed when he took my bicep girth. He was like, man, you can tell she lifts. It's over 30 centimeters. And I was like, thanks, Gary. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but didn't you insult him about his biceps? No, it was a mistake. I swear it wasn't intentional. He's got big biceps, okay? <laughs> Um, anyway, where the heck was I? This bicep curl plus shoulder press exercise. Anyway, I just do that to do biceps, but then add a bit more volume to my shoulders because they're an area that I'm really looking to grow. After that, I do bicep cable curls. So I'll do four sets of probably 12 there. And then after that, I do some lateral raises. So uh, three to four sets of 12 to 15 on each arm for lateral raises. So I have those four days and I repeat through those four days in a cycle. I really like to auto-regulate my rest days. I don't, I'm not very strict with myself and I don't say, you know, I'm going to rest exactly on this day because I don't know, I'm, I'm in a, like a really large energy surplus right now and my training's going so well and I'd rather just listen to my body and if I feel well recovered, you know, and I'm on holidays right now other than work and seeing Jack and, you know, training PT clients, I'm not exactly up to all that much. So if I feel good, I'm going to do a gym session. But at the same time, you know, even on a day where I plan to train, but you know, I was really feeling beat up, I'll just auto-regulate and take a rest day that day. And, you know, touch wood, but I've never had an injury doing like, you know, following that and it makes me feel good. So yeah, I follow those days and I really like active recovery days too. So at least once a week I'll go swimming, which is really lovely at the pool. I love swimming there. I usually do just two kilometers, really chilled out alternate strokes. We, Jack and I usually, I know Jack takes two rest days per week, but we usually have at least one day where we just completely chill out and don't do anything which is Mm. really good it's nice to chill out on those days even though i love the gym so yeah so i think that's all the questions that we're going to answer for today because i know this has gone on for quite a while guys but certainly the topics and a lot of questions we got like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast on fasting on supplements we really think that they should be episodes in themselves 
So look forward to those in the future. But before we sign out, we just want to say one thing that we learned this week. So I'll let Jack go. No, I'll let Tiara go first. Nope, you're going first. What have you learned, man? So, um, so yeah, when we were at Tiara's parents' house, we were talking about the reduction in testosterone in males. And I was continuing to talk to my dad about this, who's a doctor, and he was telling me that a lot of well, a lot of males these days have lower testosterone because of the obesity epidemic. And when obese individuals have children, those children usually have lower testosterone levels because when you are obese, you do have lower testosterone. And one of the ways to actually raise your testosterone when you're obese is to just lose weight. I guess this is me speculating a bit. We, I'm not 100% sure, but I think some other ways of having low testosterone is overly processed food and overly processed diet and not getting adequate um, fresh fruits, vegetables, grains, etc. And adequate exercise and as adequate well. Exercise, because yeah. as we know, you know, doing resistance training can stimulate testosterone production. Mm. And one of the ramifications of low testosterone in probably younger males and more older, I guess, as well, is something called gynecomastia, which is actually quite frequent in steroid abusers. It's basically when breast tissue starts to accumulate in males. It accumulates in the glands. And yeah, you either have to, I think, take hormone therapy or get those glands removed. So yeah, it's not really very pleasant. Yeah, okay. So I guess something that I learned if we're on the topic of hormones is while we were at my parents' house again talking about this, my dad is a marine biologist and he's also a environmental conservation scientist. And he was telling us about how women in the US, there are so many women taking birth control pills that are very high in estrogen that when they excrete these through their urine, they go into the sewage system and you know, all sewage systems lead to the sea. And he was telling us about how alligators, which are basically the equivalent to a crocodile here in Australia, but they're, they're over in fresh water in North America. Alligators are a prehistoric animal, so they've been around since the dinosaurs, guys. And alligators now, they are highly being affected hormonally by these high estrogen levels in the water. And alligators now, their penises are actually so small that they cannot impregnate the females. And this is a huge issue, and they're actually estimating that at this rate, alligators will now become extinct in the next 80 years. And that is all due to humans taking contraceptive and this getting into... The waterways. And this getting into the waterways. Man, when Jack and I heard this, you know, it was just crazy. It's like, this is all down to us as human beings. And we are seriously having a impact on the environment in ways that we don't even think of. So yeah, there's something you can tell Julian. Julian is um, Jack's identical twin who loves ecology. So we should probably tell him about that. Mm, good idea yeah all right so i guess we'll probably wrap it up here guys again thank you so much for joining us on our fifth episode now these are going by really quick but we're really enjoying making them and again all the feedback is just awesome if you enjoyed this episode we would appreciate it so much if you would please take a screenshot post on your instagram story tag us you can tag the bodybuilding dietitians as well we made a new instagram account 
for our podcast and our coaching services. And yeah, please tell your friends and family about it. And we will catch you later. See you guys.